Hey, it's Ian Altman. First off, thanks for subscribing, posting reviews online. Really makes a big difference, and we love seeing the audience grow, and we have you to thank for it. Today's guest is Robert Rose. Now, Robert is the Chief Strategy Officer at the Content Advisory. He's a guy who um, is really an authority when it comes to helping large brands grow and establish an audience when it comes to their content marketing strategy. And so large enterprises like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Oracle, McCormick Spices, Capital One, UPS, they reach out to people like Robert on how to properly develop their marketing and content marketing strategies. We'll talk about the biggest mistakes that organizations make when it comes to content and then the building blocks to establish a great footprint in content as well as the future of where it's all going. You're going to learn a ton. He's got a wealth of knowledge. Here's my interview with Robert Rose. Robert Rose, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Ian. It's so awesome to be here. You know what? It's great because Robert's actually in my home studio and we're recording this live, which is kind of a a neat thing. So tell our audience something maybe surprising about you that they wouldn't already know. Well, I don't even think you know this about me, and I've known you for a few years now, but um, I accidentally created, so I was a screenwriter um, in Hollywood for a number of years and accidentally created uh, an adult TV series. So uh, That doesn't surprise me at all. I wanted something that was surprising. <laughs> oh, well, all right then. You didn't yeah. star in it, did you? <laughs> no, I did not star in it. No, I, I, I simply accidentally wrote it. Um, and then was summarily fired when I stood up on my high soapbox and said, I refuse to absolutely do this. And they said, oh, of course, and you're fired. Yeah, be, be on your way, little man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be part of this. Too late. You yeah, already are. Exactly. So exactly. You're already in the credits, but I don't want to be in the credits. That's the way it goes. <laughs> so now you are well known as really an expert when it comes to content, content marketing, how people can better use content in their business to attract and drive more business for them. So as part of that, you see a lot of things that I'm sure raise your eyebrows. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see businesses make when it comes to content and marketing? Sure. And it's a new muscle for most businesses these days. So the mistakes in many ways are honestly uh, made. Um, it, the biggest mistake is really right now what's happening is is that content as it has become more popular has simply become an alternative form of sales collateral material. And so we're looking at content and the content that we would develop for value to our audiences, you know, which means our customers, our prospects, uh, leads that we're bringing into the organization. And we're simply looking at content as an alternative form of advertising. And so what that does is that it immediately puts a ceiling on any return we could get on that investment, because if we can only use it as an alternative form of ads or an alternative form of sales collateral, it can only be used in campaigns. So, so what do you, so what do you mean? So give me some examples of how people misuse content in that advertising context. Sure. And, and so there's, there's, we, and we've known advertising content forever, right? So there's, there's the sales collateral piece, the brochure, uh, the one sheet or something like that. And then you have all the way over to the advertisement, whether it's a TV ad or a print ad or a radio ad. And so those are traditional marketing 
marketing assets, collateral pieces. Now, when we think of content, when we think of content that delivers value to an audience, it delivers value independent of the product or service we put into the marketplace. It's, sure. a, it's a wonderful story. It teaches us something. It delivers some kind of value that is separate and discrete from our product. And that value takes time, effort, and money to create. And so the challenges most businesses right now are engaging their marketing people or engaging agencies to create this content, but they're using it in the traditional formats. They're using it as, well, instead of an ad, we'll put a piece of content there. Or instead of a brochure, we'll deliver a case study that talks about us. And so they talk about us. Let's talk about more about us and let's talk about how we are so awesome, but we'll call it content. And that's the biggest mistake because if we truly want to invest in something that's valuable, that increases in value over time, the true definition of of an investment, well, then we need to create and take the time to actually develop something that is valuable and look at the value that we extract in different ways. And there are many different examples of that. So so in essence, instead of people saying, okay, so how do I attract – people in my demographic? How do I attract my ideal client? What would be of great value and utility to these people? Instead, they say, what can we tell them about us? What can we tell them about how great we are and how cool we are? And of course, if you were at a networking event and someone came up to you and said, hey, Robert, let me tell you how great I am, you would walk away. But in the content world, somehow some marketing genius thought this would be a good idea to pitch to their customers and just be in their face about how cool they are. That's right. And then the second step is we 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 look at that and you can immediately go, yeah, that's a bad idea. But then you go, okay, well, let's create something cool with content. And then, okay, what's the value? And, and I've had so many CEOs and CMOs come up to me and go, tell me about why I should create content. And I'll say, well, ask, tell me about your marketing database. And they'll tell me, okay, well, I have, you know, 25,000 email addresses. And I'll go, yeah, you have got 25,000 email addresses. How many of those are mickeymouse at gmail.com and give me the damn white paper at gmail.com? And it's like, yeah, a few of those. And I go, great. What if instead you had people willingly giving you their name, address, title, business they're in, budget, zip code, phone number? I said, would that be more valuable to you or less? And they say, of course, it's more. And I say, right. By the way, I'm just glad they say more because then we'd have to talk about who you're talking to. (laughs) Exactly. So, So they say, okay, more. Go, go on, I'm sorry. Right, they do say more, usually. And so at the end of that conversation, it's like, great, now we've built a business reason for you to develop content. Because let's be honest, in any marketing database, if it's 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people, a very high percentage of those people are never going to buy from you, right? They're never going to buy. Absolutely. Either because they can't make the case for change or they can't do this or they, you know, they're prevented from doing that. They want to but can't or they just decide that they're going to go with a competitor. But they still value what you deliver. It doesn't mean – let's say it's 10%. That doesn't mean the other 90% of that marketing database doesn't have value. There's tons of insight that you can get out of that. You can understand what ad headlines would really resonate. You can understand what region of the country you should be focusing in. You could do polls and surveys and develop a data strategy that helps you understand that audience better, that helps you turn that 10% to 20% to 25%, et cetera. An audience has value. And so if we stop looking at it simply as a lead database and instead an audience that wants to hear from us, there's more value there. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I find that one of the things that I'll often do when I'm working with sales organizations is I ask them, I say, well, so why would your customers buy from you and what are the major obstacles they run into when they decide not to buy from you? And they, I always get the same answer. 
that's a good question. Right. (laughs) And they have no idea what it is. And I say, well, if you knew that, if you had an idea, then can you think of the questions people be asking to either confirm the reasons they would buy from you or to overcome the reasons they might not buy from you? Well, yeah, if we knew what those were. Okay. Well, so what if we asked people, what if we talked to this novel concept in marketing? What if we asked these potential clients or people who didn't buy from us, what was the rate limiting factor? And then think about what content could make them feel more comfortable with us going forward. That's exactly right. And that, that is getting ourselves out of that campaign oriented mindset where we only think in the context of what is the next campaign asset I'm creating? How much return did I get out of that campaign asset? Rinse and repeat. Looking at that as building value that goes beyond the sale is really understanding the audience, whether we ask them why they didn't buy or why they bought from a competitor or what's preventing that in a business, you know, in a business to business environment, what's preventing you from making the change to actually get the budget to do this? Because as you know, so well, the big B2B gap is not buying from our competitors. It's not making a decision at all. It's a non-decision. So, so what are some of the steps that people should follow to, avoid these common mistakes, to make it so that they're not just looking at this as an alternative to advertising or promotion. So they're not just creating content for the sake of building a list of leads that aren't going anywhere, but how do they actually form that audience of people who are advocating for them? What are the the building blocks they should put in place? So the first one is to understand that the only thing, and this is, sounds like a circular argument when I when I first say it, but but follow me here. It's the only thing that builds an audience is something that demands an audience. And so the what I mean by that is that you can't build an audience until there's something there that actually attracts and wants to engage them over time. So what that means is building a platform. Whether you you know whether it's a digital magazine or a blog or a podcast series or whatever that thing is for you, a resource center, it doesn't matter what the expression is. Find the one that's great for you, but that's the way to think of it. And it's it resembles much more of a product development methodology than it does a campaign development methodology because you're actually building a content product, something that will ostensibly exist forever. And so once you've done that, now you've built something and you work backwards from that to say, great, now I have this vision for a resource center or a digital magazine or a university or an academy or a series or whatever it is. Now, what are the 10 or 12 or 42 or 68 tentpole pieces that make up the minimum viable product of this thing? What is it that actually demands an audience? When, when is it live? And build that. Now, here's the thing. Here's the magical thing. You put that out into the future and while you are building it, you build amazing campaign assets while you do it, right? That can serve sales, serve direct marketing, serve the advertisement, serve as the alternative form of campaign assets, but you don't lose vision of the thing that you're actually building, which is this wonderful platform and that attracts an audience. And then lots of little ideas around those big ideas. Yeah, so of course the infographic and the white paper and the, the little pieces, that's the real key is having that vision because that's what builds an audience over time. So, so we have this vision of the platform and I want to I want to make it very concrete for our listeners. So, give me an example 
of what somebody would do that creates this platform and kind of the steps they might go through, maybe think of like a client you've worked with or a certain type of business and the steps they go through so people can translate it to themselves? Great, uh, great question. And I'll, and I'll give you a concrete example. So I worked with a small software company and this small software company said, we're going to actually build a resource center. And this resource center is going to be, they used an academy metaphor, right? Where if you're a beginner or an intermediate or a sophisticate of their particular, you know, their particular line of software, what they did. And for them, it was basically practice management software for law firms. That's what they do. And so if you're a beginner at that, you go through these series of courses. If you're an intermediate, you go through these series of courses. And if you go through as a sophisticated, it's these series of courses. And of course, if you're a beginner, you can go through all of them, right? And so they built that. They built the, the, the entire thing over time took them, you know, two years to build. But while they were creating all those assets, they were using those to draw in leads and build an audience, people who wanted to subscribe to this thing. Cut to two years later, they have basically a couple of different, you know, they got maybe 20, 20,000 subscribers in this thing. Very few of them have actually converted over into customers. But the ones who did stayed longer, spent more money, and actually created a lot more value for them over time. And so it's one of those things where you, you, you can see the value starting to build over time, but really the thing that really drove it was the accumulation of the audience, the engaged audience over but so, time. So what they did is they knew where they wanted to end up. They started building assets that created value to that audience, and by the time it was all done, they had – there was demand from the same audience that saw the pieces that now said, wait, I want the end to end. And they could tell people, wow, these guys have great value that they deliver to the audience. That's right. And so the first thing was to put in a strategic editorial plan together that would actually drive the content creation. So the biggest mistake that most businesses make is they're an on-demand vending machine of content for their sales, marketing, demand generation, brand, wherever they are. They're just randomly creating content, you know, it's random random acts yeah. of content, right? Oh, here's a blog post. Oh, here's a white paper. Oh, here's, you know, an infographic. Oh, and they're not connected in any way. And so by thematically connecting them, whether again, you, you strategically want to create an academy or a, or a digital magazine or all of the above, connecting them into something bigger that people can find their way into. In other words, if I come to this six months into the process, I want to sign up and go back and take the course that you created three months ago. I want to go forward and understand what's coming next. Great example of this is I had a company come to me and they said, we want to write the definitive guide for translation management, right? Big, complex, hairy subject that like nobody wants to know about except if you're going to have to do translation management. Sure. And so they said, what we'll do is we'll write a blog post every day and create the book. And I said, no. I said, write the book first and then release it over time. Because if you write the book first, you'll mention stuff in chapter one that has payoff in chapter eight. And you'll reflect back on chapter one in chapter eight. You'll write it as a piece. And now you've got a cohesive thing that people can get subscribed to as an audience. Whether you choose to release it one week at a time in the blog is up to you. Yeah. That's the way to think about it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's funny. One of the comments I often get from people is they say, well, you know, Ian, I don't know if you realize this, but your podcast episode like ties perfectly to this article. And it's like, well, yeah, we have an editorial calendar that goes out several months in advance. And, and by the way, it doesn't mean that we don't deviate from that from time to time, but it's a conscious decision to say, ah, we're going to adapt. We're going to change this right now. We're going to move this to this other place, which means the other two associated pieces move also. 
Funny how that works out, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, it's, it's almost as if we planned it. You know? <laughs> almost, almost as if we <laughs> exactly. planned it. And sometimes yeah. we don't, but, yeah. um, but I like to think more often than not. So, so we kind of have this idea of this evolution of first people creating content for the sake of content. Yeah. Um, it's not, they, it's almost self-serving instead of serving their audience. Then they get more deliberate about it. They start creating content that is serving their audience and building that audience. And then they're creating demand by creating something that's demand worthy. Right. Um, and then having that editorial process and the strategy to get there. So that gives us kind of a roadmap. So how do you see content and content mar- marketing changing in the future? Like, where do you see this all going five years out, 10 years out? What do you see being different? This is, and thank you for asking, this is the topic of the book that I'm actually working on with my uh, with my colleague Joe at the moment. And what we're talking about is the evolution of the content as a strategic function in the business. And where it is right now for many is they're having difficulty in scaling. And as they have difficult, you know, because just to your point, if they're in that second step, creating that demand worthy content, it works. And so what happens is, is the business says, give more, 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 more. We want more of it. And so what do we do? We try scaling it by hiring freelancers or we get content syndication companies to help us, you know, supplement and the content becomes a bit commoditized and we start, it feels like we're just dumping water into the ocean and there's not really anything differentiating there. What we've started to notice is that the companies that are starting to really get this and understand it really understand that by building these properties, these media properties that are differentiated and building an audience, that they can actually start to draw revenue out of this. And not only just revenue, but other cost savings as well. There are examples of this. My favorite right now is Aero Electronics. So the biggest electronics manufacturer in the world. And they manufacture, and they're also now the biggest electronics media company in the world. So they have spent the last 18 months purchasing magazines, trade journals, websites, and email newsletters. So now they've got 51 magazines, emails, and newsletters, and they have a complete media division. Now, why would they do that? Because guess what? They take money for subscriptions. They take money from their competitors who do advertising in those magazines. And why would they do that? Well, because we all know the trouble that publishing is in right now. And they've watched as publishers have shuttered these small trade publications that were so valuable to their main audience, electrical engineers, people who buy their stuff. And that's the main place that these electrical engineers get their education. So they basically made a bet. They said, we can watch our TAM, our total addressable market, shrink over time because they're not getting the education from these wonderful trade publications. Or we can subsidize that for what is basically a rounding error for us in our marketing budget, but basically build the education of and make money doing it. That's we great. can actually build a content strategy that is a biz part of our business strategy that ultimately we make money at. And maybe we subsidize it a little bit, but guess what? It's also a marketing initiative because it's brought to you by Aero Electronics. Yeah, and people say, oh, wow, you know, I want to buy from them because these are the people that – help me get this publication. These are the people that create all this valuable content. It's interesting how often people overlook the value of being the source where people get their information. When we did the renovation of our house, Deborah, my wife, was looking at different appliances. And so she would look and say, well, am I better off with the Bosch or the KitchenAid? And it's funny because she would say, well, Bosch versus KitchenAid dishwasher. And she had an article that says comparing Bosch and KitchenAid and and the performance and service servicing and all that. Great. Okay. And then she'd say, Oh, and I'm trying to decide if she get the Thermador 
cooktop or I should get the, the kitchen aid. Okay, well, do that search too. And it would come up and she kept getting the same source of this information, which is Yale Appliance, who happens to be one of Marcus Sheridan's clients. And so and so Deborah says to me, look, you know, honey, what do you think of this? I mean, they're in New England and we live in Maryland. So that's quite a far ways away. Do you think it would be a big mistake if we purchased from them? And just to test the theory, I said, well, why don't you call them up? So Deborah calls up and they said, oh, you know, we would love to work with you, but you're really better off being served by somebody locally. And I can recommend a couple places. But the bottom line is she was willing to buy appliances from a guy in Connecticut because the 15 biggest questions she asked were answered in a fair and balanced way by people in Connecticut who were talking about appliances. Now, the thing I want the audience to kind of step back and realize is they're selling the same appliances as the guy down the street. That's right. So their differentiator became content that made it so my wife trusted them more than somebody else solely because they had raised the issues and addressed the issues for the questions she was asking. That's exactly right. And now let me blow your mind even one more step because I know, and I'm not allowed to say who I happen to know, but there are companies that are creating content today, highly valuable, wonderful content, because who do you think cares about answering your wife's question, maybe even more than Yale did? Google. Google. And Google right now is paying company when they find sources of great content, knowledge-oriented content, especially in topics that aren't well covered in the Google Knowledge Graph, they are paying for that. So I can tell you right now that there are brands creating high-value content in answering questions from consumers that are providing that content in a way that Google can understand, and Google is paying them money to actually get it. So how would you like to get paid for the content that you're creating for Google search optimization? Oh, by the way, I, it, it always it always cracks me up because people will ask me, they'll say, well, so so you, know, so you, you write a column in, in Forbes and Inc., I mean, how much do you have to pay for that? I'm like, no, no, they actually pay me right. to, to write that content. Well, why is that? Well, so like if you Google business trends and organically my, my, my content comes up number one, that's a lot of marketing value to Forbes. So Forbes wants that content. And so Forbes puts energy and resources behind it to promote that content to make sure it stays number one. And what I love is from time to time where I'll do a search and it's the snippet. That Google is highlighting. That's now, right. It doesn't always stay the snippet. I don't know how that algorithm works, but there's from time to time it becomes the snippet. And it was funny. At one point, it was you did a Google search for business trends, and the top three hits were my business trends article from 2017, 16, and 15. So that was <laughs> in sequence, and I was like, all right, that's that's pretty cool. There's something meta about that too. The fact that they're searching for trends and there's the last three years of your articles appearing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, uh, and it's a pretty broad term. So and yeah. we didn't set out to like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to crush it with, with Google on this term. Right. It's just, all right, well, this is something that people wonder about. These, these are the kinds of things that people in my audience care about. So we're going to address that. And similarly, when I'm looking for guests, it's, Okay, what are the other things that business owners and leaders struggle with that they'd like to better understand? Yeah. And if I can bring in smart people like you, because clearly you're way smarter than I am, then we're better off. And that's the whole model because if, you know, people will say, well, how does that benefit you? And I always say, I don't know. I don't track it that way. Right. It's just if the audience is getting value out of it, then I'm building that community. 
and I don't have to worry about how I'm going to monetize that. That's right. It will monetize itself over time. It just it just works. Yeah. And and it's interesting because people will say, well, man, but you have to spend money on production and like there are all these costs that go into it. Yeah, that's true. There are. But but so so this stuff isn't free, but there's also a value in when someone says, Hey Ian, can you keynote this conference? We want you to talk about business trends. And I say, Sure, okay, why me? Well, when we Google business trends, you come up number one. So like if you want to quantify it, there, there it is. That's right. And the key is, is that if that's an investment and the way it really starts to work magic is if you can invest and get paid for it, as you're doing with the Forbes, you're getting paid to actually invest. Now, are you getting paid your regular rate? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is, is that you're getting paid to make an additional investment, which also pays off over time. And so if you start thinking about the content creation process that way, that's the answer to your question of what's the future is, can we make the investment in marketing and content something that we get paid for, as well as become a long-term marketing investment for us to actually pay dividends down the road? Another great example of this is our print magazine. So at Content Marketing Institute, we have a, a print magazine called Chief Content Officer Magazine. I will tell you that the magazine comes out six times a year and barely pays for itself with the advertising revenue that it generates. But I can also tell you that we have done the data tracking on this and the people who actually subscribe to the magazine end up buying more stuff. They attend more events, they come to more webinars, they traffic our site more often. And of course, that's the way we monetize everything as a media company. And so there's a marketing platform for us, Chief Content Officer Magazine, that pays for itself through advertising revenue, but also serves as one of our most important marketing platforms. Okay. So we talked about this idea, or you talked about this idea of the future of content is, in essence, content as a business model. That's right. So what should business leaders be doing today to tap into that in the future? So the key is thinking about the asset that you're building, and the asset that you're building is an audience. Because when we think about it, the job of marketing is very, very simple. It is how do we reach as many people and many of our customers as we possibly can as few times as we can. It's the whole reach and frequency thing. But frequency is a cost and reach is the goal. And so we want to reach as wide as we can with as minimum frequency as we have to to get the desired result that we're trying to get. By building an asset called an audience using content, whether that's, again, a platform or leveraging you know, multiple pieces of content that people want to hear from you over time, you're building the true asset, which is an audience, right? A subscribed, engaged audience that wants to hear from you. That's what gets monetized. So the first step is to look at what you're doing with content today. And if you're only using it as a means of alternative form of collateral, can you flip that? Can you actually flip that and say, can we get smarter around this? Even if the only goal is to get your arms around the cost of all this content that you're creating, can you be smarter about thematically connecting it so that it builds an audience? So what's the question that a CEO or leader should be asking themselves or people on their team to determine if the, if the assets they're creating right now are self-serving marketing collateral or if they're building an audience? How are we driving value with content? And if the only answer is engagement, clicks, or some other novelty or, you know, sort of boutique KPI, the answer, that's not a good answer. There needs to be multiple lines of value being driven with content. And here's the thing. 
the secret answer is it's not the content that provides the value. It's the audience that provides the value. The content is merely a bridge to get to that audience. And so if the answer isn't we're building an audience, that's what the answer needs to be. Ah, great. So so basically it comes down to, so how are we driving engagement? Where's the value that we're generating for and from the audience? And if the answer is a blank stare, yeah. then you might have a problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when, that's when we need to fix it. That's correct. Awesome. So what's the best way for people to reach out and get a hold of you and learn more about what you're doing? Well, I thank you, Ian. That's a very nice that's a really wonderful question. Um, it's not sincere, but yeah, I know, I know it's not. I know Actually, you- it is because you know what? I guarantee there's people listening right now going, "Dude, I got to talk to Robert." <laughs> if you want to learn more and read and 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 sort of get more exposure to the content that I create, as well as some of my colleagues, uh, the website would be contentadvisory.net. That's contentadvisory.net. And then if you just want to know a little more about me in general and sort of have links to the books I've written, it's robertrose.net. So. So that's, it's that simple. Excellent. And we'll have all that in the show notes so that people don't have to get them, get themselves in a precarious position while driving, that's but right. just look it up in the show notes and uh, we'll have links to everything. So Robert, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and for hanging out with me today. Thank you so much. Ian. It was great to be here. Hey, thanks again for subscribing and sharing your reviews online. It really makes a big difference, and we just love seeing the audience grow. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use from Robert's interview with us today. So the biggest thing I want you to take away is that the asset is the audience. Everything you should be doing in content marketing is about building an audience and adding value. So the idea is to reach as many as we can to get the desired results of that engagement. So it's not about just blasting your information or self-promoting or looking at content as an alternative to advertising, but instead build that community in the audience. And then once you have that audience, magic can happen. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the program, if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.